This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. I'm recording this week's episode of Irrational Fear on Gadigal land in the Yora Nation. Let's start the show. The following program contains medium coarse language and traces of nuts. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Comedians, experts, laughing at the world as it burns down around us. <laughs> this is a rational fear. Tonight, ICAC has found the former Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian, guilty of corruption during her time in office. As punishment, she has been ordered to serve as a highly paid executive for Optus. And Prince William has launched a new campaign to end homelessness, saying that everyone should have a safe and secure home, except for him, who should have at least 35 across three countries. And it's alleged that former Federal Minister Stuart Robert has set up a shell company called Synergy 360 to funnel money back to himself from the government. Critics say he should go to jail for naming the company Synergy 360. It's the 30th of June, 2023. Happy end of financial fear to all of you. This is a rational fear. Welcome to Irrational Fear. I'm Ticketek Customer Service Manager Dan Illich, and this is the podcast that laughs in the face of the scariest news until it implodes under immense pressure. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. They're an award winning producer and podcaster who knows more about Russia than Vladimir Putin from the podcast Russia, if you're listening. It's the czar of Russian podcasts himself, Matthew Bevan. <laughs> Hello, Dan. Earlier this week in the newspaper, I was called a self appointed Russia expert, which I think Ooh. is a. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I take well, a guess which pretty... newspaper? <laughs> are, are you going to be was wrong? It the Moscow, was it the Moscow Tribune, Matt? Was it the Moscow Tribune? <laughs> no, they don't listen to me in Russia. There's nothing. I, apparently nothing I do will get me on that Russia sanctions list. They put another edition of it this week. Uh, another 44 people chucked on the list, still not on it. Damn. Oh, I'm no, sorry to take it quite That's devastating. Personally. That's devastating. Yeah. If you were on the list, how would it change your life? 
Ah, uh, well, I'd have to cancel that trip to St. Petersburg that I got planned. Um, <laughs> have to stop uh, exporting uh, aluminium to uh, to uh, Kaliningrad. Uh, but apart from that, it wouldn't affect me too much, I don't think. <laughs> and you may know him from his guest appearances on The Trophy Room and Backseat Drivers. It's Lewis Hobber. Wow, did you go through my IMDb for the shortest running shows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually went to your Wikipedia page. They're quite high up on your Wikipedia page. Wow! I'm like, oh, I need a bit of, I need a bit of trivia from Lewis Hobbs. I've, I've run out, <laughs> no. I've run out of trivia about Lewis Hobbs. I would be so surprised if anyone remembers either of those shows. Mm. <laughs> I also did a guest appearance on um, on Backseat Drivers. I can barely remember it. Yeah, <laughs> even the Trophy Room was back when the ABC. Well. I say back when, during the ABC's 20-year-long year long career of trying to do the spicks and specs of everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, spicks and, and specs of every uh, of every vertical. Yeah, of every, of every hobby or interest anyone has ever had. And this was the spicks and specs of sport, uh, hosted by It's Peter amazing Elliott. that, you know, the doc, that Hoovians got up. Like, Doctor, that Hoovian spicks and specs, was in, that's a very niche subject, and that got up is on that a broadcast spicks and specs, so is, that a, is that a quiz show, or is that just Do they people ask questions? talking about... I would nothing I in the world would make me watch that show. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a 75 year old person. I don't know. I don't never watch the ABC. Like, so I would, <laughs> I would, I would know. rather give up my firstborn than watch Hoovians. <laughs> Coming up later, we're going to be quizzing Matt Bevan all about what the fuck happened in Russia over the weekend. But first, let's have a message from this week's sponsor. The Voice referendum is coming and Sky News will be ready with a special 24-hour channel to cover every aspect of the No campaign. Watch Andrew Bolt say no. Vote no. Watch Peter Credlin say no. No. Watch Paul Murray say no. No, 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 no. Watch Rowan Dean say no. No. Watch Pauline Hanson say no. No. Watch Peter Dutton say no. No. Watch Barnaby Joyce say something. Now I I I can't but I can't but always um, I've. Will anyone watch it? Yes, but they'll already be voting no. If you don't know about saying no, watch those who have no idea say no. Twenty four hours a day, Sky News. Be in the know. This week's first fear, the last refugee that has been held against their will on Nauru has been evacuated off the island, leaving behind an empty detention centre running at an annual cost of $350 million, just sitting there doing nothing. I mean, this is such an obviously a great kind of moment for Australian refugee policy. It kind of puts a bookend on something that's been so terrible for about oh, nearly 12 years now. Um, I don't so know if folks, it's a bookend. I think it's hopeful it's to say bookend. It, it's um, it's a book ellipsis. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not a bookend because the policy's not ending because the the detention centre is still going to be on Nauru. It's just going to be open ended. It's an open ended bookend. It's a it's a it's a library that's closed to people getting books it's, it's, and bookends. It's, yeah. it's like the yeah, it's like the end of a book, and they've you know got, got to the end of the final chapter, and then they've written the end. Question mark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nauru has been watching a lot of Marvel films and they're like, we should yeah. put in a post credit sequence <laughs> <Post> for Nauru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's can it's just gonna con- keep continuing, but currently no one's there and it it costs three hundred and fifty million dollars. Folks, what should um, what should happen with this facility that sits on Nauru? 
resort um, for, I mean, you know, <laughs> generate some revenue for Nauru. Um, is, is all the 300, is, is, is some of that $350 million, I was trying to figure this out uh, today, yeah. is some of that $350 million just going to the Nauruan government or is it all going to the private uh, private prison operator, uh, the, the, the American company? I've been trying to figure it out because it seems like a lot of money to it is, it, is a, it is a lot of money. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure some of it would go to the Nauruan government. And for a long time, this facility has been a main source of income for Nauru. Yes, well, they ran Nauru out of bird completely They ran broke. out of bird guano, um, which was their previous uh, main source of revenue in Nauru. Uh, wow. And that's not a joke. That literally was their, their main source of revenue was, was, was bird crap. Um, Potassium mining, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Then it was the detention centre and they, I think they were struggling when No, Australia... no, Matt, it wasn't then the detention centre. It didn't, didn't go end of bird crap detention centre. They had some great harebrained schemes in the that's middle. That's true. Uh, uh, they have uh, Nauru House in, in Melbourne, the giant There was a musical. Skyscraper. Leonardo. Yes. There's a Leonardo, there was a Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci musical, wasn't there, that they invested in on the West yes, End. It was called Leonardo in Love. That's right. Musical. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, Lewis, yeah. in 1993, what happened was like the, um, the, 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 the banker who was looking after Nauru in Australia was like the head of Citibank in Australia and he was like, you know, friendly with the Nauruans and they were running out of money and they were trying to think of ways to invest whatever money they had left. And he, he back in the 70s was like a roadie to this boy band <laughs> that had a one-hit wonder and they had written like this, this Leonardo in Love, this love story between think, Leonardo and the I think it might be Portrait of Love, Leonardo Portrait of, of Love or something like that. It's, it's a dreadful title. Sorry, go on, go on. And so the, the banker was like, hey, you know, fellas, I'm friends with the Nauruans. They've got like $7 million left. Maybe we could get them to invest in Leonardo in Love. And they took the, this old boy band over to the Nauru and they played the president some music. And the president was like, hey, we like these tracks. All right, we'll <laughs> give you the money. So they invested $7 million on this West End production. And in 1993, they had like 100 people from Nauru, dignitaries from Nauru, leave to go to London. And then it's like 10% the of the Nauruan Na- population. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or the rest of the Nauruans ran out onto the runway to stop the plane from going off because <laughs> they were protesting. Anyway, they landed in London and the musical flopped <gasps> and no one went to the musical. <laughs> oh, my. And they lost, they lost the last of the Nauruan sovereign wealth fund. It's like if Peter Costello <laughs> gave oh one of God. his old mates half of whatever's in the future fund just to go and Can you um, imagine? do a little di- do a fringe show at the Edinburgh Fringe. Australia won't even invest the excess money it has in the arts and these people <laughs> will put their last dollar on a, a couple of triple threats from London. God bless them. I just looked it up, Dan, and Leonardo in Love would be a good would be a much better title than what the, the actual title was, Leonardo the Musical, A Portrait of Love. Um, no, what? Yeah. Because Le, uh, Leonardo know, yeah. in Love, that pre, if it was 93, it would have predated Shakespeare in Love by yeah. like five Brilliant. years. So they could, have, they could have eventually sued, you know, <laughs> Shakespeare in Love and made some money back. <laughs> Just put, put, the, it, um, put the copyright claim straight into an infrastructure fund. <laughs> Sounds like a fantastic idea. Oh, my God. These poor people. This is horrific. We should just give them $350 million a year. Just And you know what? We should invest in their musicals. We should <laughs> give them $350 million a year 
and they can keep three hundred million of it or whatever, and fifty million dollars can go into Must the greatest go to musical ever created. This is actually a really good idea. That's great, Lewis. Mm. Is there some way we can use the camp for? Well, that's uh, you, you see, know, that'll be the theatre training or something like yeah. that. The, the, uh, right? Yeah. Solitary yeah. can become the makeup room. Um, the exercise <laughs> yard can become the rehearsal space. Yep. Yeah. The galley is going to be catering. Yeah. Uh, obviously. The prison um, guards. Yeah. I guess um, directors. I don't know. We. I don't know chorus. much about them. But chorus, of course. Or you know, just techies in the in the background. Mm. They've got the. They've already got the big lights. Probably spotlights. Yep. I see a beautiful future here. This is a beautiful future for for at least uh, at least a few people who have left there. There's only apparently there's only two refugees still on the island, and that's because they're in like a legal dispute with with domestic forces there. So there's been like um, you know some crime or something. So everyone else is gone, and apparently there's still 80 refugees from the offshoring process still in Port Moresby, just floating around. So in terms of in terms of refugees, I spoke to Baruz Bachani uh, when he was in Sydney uh, a few months ago and he said, oh, yeah, one of the guys from Manus now lives in Port Moresby and he's like a, a bare-knuckle boxer and he, like, runs bare-knuckle boxing fights and he's, like, the king of, like, organised fighting in Port Moresby. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, and I'm like, well, that is, how come that story doesn't get reported? This is, that's a much more fascinating story than, than Leonardo in Love. That should be turned into a musical. That's wild. So PNG UFC, the musical, A Portrait of Love. (laughs) (laughs) A rational fear. It is the end of the world. You may as well laugh about it. This week's second fear, according to the Independent Commission Against Corruption, Gladys Berejiklian was seriously corrupt, which is bad news for her employer Optus because with qualifications like that, she's uniquely qualified to go for a job at PwC. Folks, is this uh, is this a surprise that ICAC have found this, this finding, Matt? Uh, it's a surprise that it took so long, I can barely remember. That's She's two premiers ago now. Um, <laughs> I, you know, she stepped down at the height of, you know, when we couldn't... I believe one of her last policies was announcing that people in New South Wales could have picnics of up to five people. It wow. feels like a lifetime ago that we couldn't have picnics and it's taken this long for them to investigate this relationship that, you know, apparently they had all their text messages and stuff. I don't know what... ICAC's been doing for two years and that seems to be one of the biggest criticisms that both sides of New South Wales politics have had. This thing has been going since the land of no picnics. Uh, It seems like a significantly (laughs) long period of time. (laughs) When people are always talking about a witch hunt, you're like, look, the good thing about a witch hunt is it's over quickly, you know? There's there's not a lot of due process in a witch hunt. I think when we're looking at this, you have a choice between a two-year waiting period or a witch hunt and I think maybe we should bring back witch hunts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Some of the texts that were released <laughs> e- and, and reported on were pretty saucy. Oh, they made me uncomfortable. Uh, and not e- e- yeah, and like clearly Daryl Maguire is a like a coercive control asshole, uh, and should never be near anybody as a human being. Um, but not even the good ones got released. Um, there was this line in the article that I read on the Sydney Morning Herald that said, some of those messages were so deeply personal, the ICAC decided not to publish them and had never asked witnesses about them, either in public or private hearings, so as to not to cause unnecessary embarrassment. Mm-hmm. That was when my little red flag went off. I'm like, well, what? 
What messages didn't we see? We needed to see those ones. I, I don't want to. I don't want to see them, Dan. I don't. I don't no. want to see them. No. I've like, seen Adam learned- Levine from Maroon 5's text, me- you know, personal text messages, and that was horrible. I, d- I really don't want to see Gladys Berejiklian's um, yeah. too personal for release texts. If we've learnt <laughs> nothing from the transcripts of Prince Charles and Camilla's secret phone calls, oh, then, yes. you know, oh, if, if the tampon has taught us nothing, that, you know, oh. we, we, must, we must know our limits. It, it did make me think that if I ever get into any position of power, you know, in the law, we don't know, it could happen. Um, if I rise up the ranks to end up a hotshot lawyer at a, um, at ICAC, <laughs> one rule that I will make, in fact, across all courts, if I become Chief Justice, is that th- no matter what happens, we never release pet names that are used <laughs> in text messages. I think that should be the one thing that everyone can take to their grave. Like I don't, there's nothing I hate more, even people I love in watching them use their pet name with each other. Pet The pet names that I use with my partner, I will take it to my grave. What are they? Come on. Not a chance. Come on. What Not a they? goddamn chance. Matt Bevan? You can't waterboard it out of oh, you, Dan. I'll, I'll, share, I'll share mine. We, we uh, you know, very early in our relationship uh, started, we thought ironically and funnily, and humorously calling each other Dahl and then we just couldn't stop. And so we've been together for nearly two decades now and we're still calling each other that and we cannot stop. So anyway, oh. our children our children call us that sometimes as well just because we, we can't stop. So there you go. There's an exclusive for Rational Fear. Really, uh, thanks, Dahl. Really You're interesting... Welcome, Really interesting response from Optus. They put out like a one-paragraph kind of uh, press release about this. It says, Optus acknowledges the IPAC report published in relation to Gladys Berejiklian's time serving as Member of New South Wales Parliament. We refer you to Gladys's media statement and have no further comment to make. One paragraph. That's it. Optus, Optus saying, yeah, we read it. Whatever. I think that's to have to have an employer say that that is pretty strong. I mean, Stan Grant would kill for a response from the ABC <laughs> to come in that strong to back him up. If um you know billion dollar companies uh had to defend every member of their board, they'd be putting out press releases all day. I mean, we, <laughs> we can all remember the incredible Mike Baird resignation from New South Wales, where he was desperate to go and spend more time with his family, and you're like. After a week or two weeks, whatever it was, he was straight to, um, you know, working at NAB. And you're the top like, job at National Do you, are Bank. your family bankers? <laughs> like, are your family on the board? Is that the only way you can see your child, Mike? The fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, what's worse? I think his kids are Dolomites <laughs> and he went to the wrong bank. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I love this idea of being seriously corrupt. I love, I love that. Like, why couldn't you just be just corrupt? But also, but seriously how corrupt. Do you be, how do you be seriously corrupt as the as the premier, but not that isn't enough to heat criminal charges? It's like, yeah, that apparently blows there's my apparently mind. There's, there's not enough there's not enough corruption going like what, on could, what, to you, to launch a criminal case. There, you know how there's like um like the fire danger signs. Like maybe seriously yeah. corrupt for a premier is actually fairly mild based on previous corruption <laughs> levels in New South Wales, and it's That's not until right. you get yeah, to like what you, what you want to be is like catastrophic um, catastrophically level. corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. I had to sign a contract um, today that asked if there was anything in my social media that could bring disrepute to a potential client, and I ticked no. Uh, does that make me seriously corrupt? <laughs> yeah, that's a lie. Mm, I don't have a comment on that, Dan, but but I think your employer might not want to start drafting up a statement. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a generic one. Yes, yes. <laughs> The brand has read Dan's Twitter and we refer you to Dan's Media for we have no further comment. Surely if you're Optus, you're like, look, Gladys Berejiklian was just doing uh, what we've always said is our motto here at Optus. When Daryl Maguire asked her a question, she said yes. Irrational <laughs> fear. And I'll throw money at Wagga. You just need to know what the right thing does is throw money at Wagga. And you I, need... I already know. You've already told me the three top things. Go and give them a stadium. I'll do that too. Just pausing the podcast here to say, Lewis, um, you know who isn't very ethical? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gladys okay, we were just talking about that. I wasn't sure if um, we were going to go you- into a long list of um, former unethical premiers of New South Wales. But no... Um, yep, Gladys. Boom. Got it. Confirmed. Thanks, ICAC. We can do Gladys because, you know, ICAC has categorically, you know, done the investigation. They spent, you know, two years doing the investigation on Gladys and it's clear that she's very unethical. Unethical, um, extremely cor- extremely corrupt. Hang on, no, very corrupt. And seriously corrupt. You know, like seriously, seriously ten. Corrupt. But seriously oh, yeah, corrupt. Yeah, yeah. Not comically corrupt. <laughs> No, that's just that's us. We're comically I would, corrupt. <laughs> I think Daryl Maguire um, has has hit the level of comically corrupt. No, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. she she was seriously corrupt. He's comically corrupt. That is absolutely true. Um, somebody who isn't corrupt is Australian Ethical, and they are sponsoring us. They are very ethical. In fact, they've been ethically looking after money since 1986, steering the money away from things like um, uh, fossil fuels, uh, bad practices, human trafficking, and stadiums in Wagga Wagga. They definitely don't invest in stadiums in Wagga Wagga. Do you know what, Dan? <laughs> My uh, mum, as you know, is a fan of the podcast. Oh, yes. And you were around at my house the other day visiting yeah. me, which was lovely. My parents were there and my mum dropped a bombshell on both of us, which is yeah. that um, my mum and dad have been with Australian Ethical for, for decades, for years and years. And can I, can I say what your dad said about Australian Ethical? Yeah, go for it. He said, he said they've done very well for us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good for them. I really enjoyed that bit. <laughs> so, and then that's the Australian Ethical's whole thing. They take your money, they make it bigger, and they don't put it. They don't put that money where it shouldn't be. So, a big thank you to Australian Ethical for at least you know putting the money, spending some of that money on us because <laughs> yeah, taking some of my parents' money and giving, like I did. I've tried so hard to become independent from my parents, despite doing a job that is. <laughs> A joke, and now even our sponsor is finding a way to take my parents' money and, and give it to me. Like I never, like I'm still 12 years old. The only reason you have this job is you're a nepo baby. <laughs> I, I never knew. I just found out. So big thank you uh, to Straight Ethical. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
A Rational Fear is brought to you by its Patreon supporters. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee, you can get this podcast ad-free. Exclusive content, discounts on live tickets, and access to the Discord chat server. Chip in at patreon.com slash irrationalfear or else. This week's third fear, Russia. I'm sure many of our listeners have been following what's been happening in Russia, but just quickly, a dude who was in charge of a private army tried to scare Putin by taking that army to Moscow. He then stopped going to Moscow and then he said, I'm sorry, and Putin forgave him and now the private army guy is in exile in Minsk. Was this a true coup attempt or just a great Belarus? Matt Bevan, what the hell happened in in Russia over the weekend, you were the oh. first person I texted as soon as I saw it unfolding, yep. and I was like, "It's all kicking off, Matt. It's all kicking off." It's it's. I mean, I've spent basically every waking minute since then reading about it, uh, and from what I can tell, um, I don't think I, th- I think Prigozhin is uh, correct in saying that he wasn't trying to topple Vladimir Putin. Because right. there's very, very little, you know, reporting that's coming out, and basically, it seems like every every single person in the FSB and CIA is just calling up journalists to tell them everything that they know about this. What seems to have happened here is Prigozhin uh, was sort of on the rise politically, but he was there on the front line, and he quite rightly. Uh, wasn't a big fan of the way that the top brass of the Russian military was running the war effort because, you know, it has Mm. been an absolute catastrophe from start to finish. The point at which he tipped over into sort of crazy land was it seems like he wanted to solve this. He didn't like the, you know, defence minister and the chief of staff. It seems like, according to reporting in the Wall Street Journal, he wanted to kidnap them in order to... He wanted to kidnap, like, the head of the military? Yes, and the the defence minister and the the, the (laughs) top general in charge of uh, the the military. They were planning a trip to sort of the the war zone um, Mm. in the next, in in the few days, sort of this week. And his plan was to kidnap them. Um, And, but he thought, you know, I better not, just kidnap the defence minister, I better have a bit of a word to a few people about this, see if they're all on my side. Uh, He called a couple of generals. Uh, They sort of seemed to sort of indicate perhaps that they might have been on his side. Uh, The CIA seems to have been of the opinion that it was a a good plan, which is what it was what was written in the Wall Street Journal today. The CIA thought that the the plan was likely to work, which is surprising. Uh, but wow. he told too many people, basically, and someone <laughs> told the FSB. And instead of going, "Oh no, my uh, kidnap and ransom." or whatever plan has been, uh, you know, I've been busted. He was like, YOLO, um, <laughs> we're going to go for it anyway. I want to kidnap oh, this wow. man. Oh, wow. So this, this, this was like a true, like, dead cat on the table kind of moment for him. He's like, fuck, everyone knows I'm going to kidnap these guys. I'm just going to just do something crazy. Well, no, no, no. Get out of it. I'm going to kidnap these guys and they're in Moscow and so I'm coming to Moscow. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Okay, so instead of being like, I'll just wait for them to come to me, I'll just play, I'll just be a cat, wait for this mouse. (laughs) They're like, oh, we're going to buckle up, boys. We're going 200 miles. Well, it's it's, it's like a thousand kilometres that they were trying to go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, man. 
and they got closer than they should have. But I think I think it's possible that you know, due to the long-term relationship he had with Putin, maybe communications mm. he'd had with Putin and that kind of thing, you know, Putin didn't uh, go, well, uh, sorry, pal, but um, today's your last yeah, day. Um, and he's organised sort of a way out for him because Putin also not a huge fan of these guys, of the Defence Minister yeah. and the Chief of Staff. And, 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 and a lot of people are sort of saying that the reason... Prigozhin was, over the last few months, allowed to put out huge amounts of material on his Telegram channel about how these guys were cowards and bastards and much worse words than that in Russian. Uh, (laughs) Russians have some very serious swear words. The reason that he was sort of being given free reign to do all of that on Telegram as much as he wanted is Putin kind of agreed with him and kind of wanted these guys taken down a peg anyway. But once it got to kidnapping plan, then Putin kind of thought we might need to rein this fellow in a little bit. And in fact, in fact, the, the other trigger point for him sort of going from mad to crazy was Putin said, mm. look, we're going to wind up your company. He's got this company of mercenaries. We're going to wind them up. And the deadline is the 1st of July. He decided, well, I'm going to kidnap those guys on the 25th of July. Uh, they figured it out on the 20th of July. And so he was like, <laughs> saddle up, boys. Um, we're going oh, to Moscow. It was an end of financial year sale. <laughs> That's, That's right. what they were doing. They just got, the boss went mad. <laughs> <laughs> Everything must go. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, watching it happened, I was like, this doesn't make sense. The guy can't possibly think that he's going to get all the way to the Kremlin and kill Putin. But, you know, I, I think it makes a little bit more sense have with, with five days of hindsight, but, you know, it still doesn't make yeah, a huge amount of kind sense. Of, yeah, because the initial inciting incident that kind of was reported everywhere was which was reported by Prozhogin as well, was that, oh, well, the, the military fired upon us, so now we're angry and we're going to take our revenge. Yeah. But that kind of didn't make sense, right? That kind of no. was, there's a big question hanging over that because it's like, well, uh, I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> get fired upon in war and I don't think that's... That's that's no. not the case. Yeah. His group was have been suffering friendly fire basically for the last you know year and a half, um, and whether or not there was you know there is video on I've, I've been I've been reading I've been reading his Telegram. It's been quite an experience over the last few Are you a subscriber? Days. Are you a subscriber to his Telegram? Are you oh, a subscriber I... to his OnlyFans? Um, <laughs> is, this, is this how close you are to I don't, Prozhogin? I don't have rubles uh, to, to tip into the OnlyFans account, unfortunately. But uh, I've been, you know, watching his Telegram videos and there is this video of, you know, the camp and there's some trees that are blown up. You know, it looks like something exploded, but, you know, mm. whether, whether it is the way that he says it is, the Russian uh, Ministry of Defence denies it and... I kind of feel like they would be apologising for it rather than denying it if they really had done it. So I think it's more likely that he just decided... His plan was rumbled. The cops knew uh, what he was doing and they were coming and he decided, well, I can't defect to Ukraine. I've committed too many war crimes. I can't uh, run here. I can't run there. Let's just, you know... You know, imagine if he defected to Ukraine. He would have defected to Ukraine. He could he could run there. Uh, private military contractors. That'd well, well, he he actually it was funny. Uh, I was reading today that when uh, there sort of started to be talk in Russian social media circles and in a couple of media outlets about you know maybe Prigozhin is gearing up for a twenty twenty four run. You know, maybe he's going to succeed Putin as the as the president. Uh, Prigozhin. I thought you. Were, I thought you. Were, I, I thought you know Prigozhin could run in twenty twenty four in the US election. <laughs> Well, you what know, he said was, <laughs> what he said was, 
I am running for president of Ukraine. Uh, <laughs> which... <laughs> All right, wow, Jesus. Because he said, uh, wow. if I'm elected president of Ukraine, there'll be no need for the, no, no, need, no more need for ammunition. Uh, wow. Yeah. The guy's got a oh, pretty God. hideous, uh, weird sense of humour. He's a very unpleasant person and I don't know what's going to happen to him now. If he needs any work um, outside of the Wagner group, like he could be cast as the evil Russian in every Hollywood film. I, like <laughs> I have never in my life seen a man who looks more like a racist depiction of an evil Russian man than that guy. Like it's crazy. He look like he looks like a, you know a Peter Dutton that's been in the cupboard for two. Well, long. When I first saw him, I was <laughs> did like, you see? I thought someone had typed in like to like an AI generator, <laughs> evil Russian warlord. Like, I was like, you couldn't create a better man. Well, did you see, Lewis, the, um, the pictures of the gentleman that had been sent down to the uh, to squat at the embassy site oh, in Canberra? Yes. Yes. Mm. yes um, yeah. So this he is, had, you know, like, last Russian week. uncle energy. Yeah, he's, he's so <laughs> He had, he's, he's there smoking, totally bald, uh, puffer jacket on, track pants and what looked like extremely expensive designer sneakers, uh, a bit of a dad bod tummy, you know, the most stereotypical uh, FSB agent that I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, parked well, there when it the, comes uh, to squatting, slabs are the best. He just wanted, they just wanted a slab squat to do a slab squat. That's what they did. <laughs> Um, but yes, he, he could be. He would. He would be a very good person to cast as Prigozhin's uh, henchman, chief henchman in in these upcoming Bond films. Lewis, interesting that Wagner has been. The decree has been put out that Wagner will be wrapped up July one. I saw a great video online today of uh, might have been a Ukraine journalist calling up the Wagner recruit hotline <laughs> and kind of uh, seeing if they're still taking recruits and kind of asking them, you know, hey, I heard, you know, you're going to be wrapped up. I heard that Wagner is now like an enemy of the state. Is this true? And the recruit's like, no, nope, not true at all. Not true at all. You might as well come down. Come down, sign up. We'll get you, we'll get you uniform. <laughs> well, I've been seeing It's like the they're still operating as business as usual, but it's tomorrow. Tomorrow is, you know, July 1. Well, well, since then, of course, it's been reported that Alexander Lukashenko, who is the uh, the president of Belarus, who has uh, taken Prigozhin in, has been asking, well, maybe all the Wagner guys could come and, and, and be my personal security guards because... <laughs> and so there, there's a lot of discussion actually at the moment about whether these Wagner guys are going to end up being sort of the the private military continue to operate, but in Belarus. Oh, my um, gosh. Operating at the beck and call of of Lukashenko. I would hope that they just change their name to Synergy 360 and they're like, we're all good now. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a terrible name. I think Wagner's a better name than Synergy 360. (laughs) Hey, what's the deal with PMCs in Russia? Like how many are there? Like it seems like it seems and like by PMC you mean private military contractor? a private military contractor, yeah, yeah. You know, when we talk about politics in Australia, we talk about a lot of, a lot of factions mm. in, in government. Like how many factions are there in Russian government and do they have their own PMCs for each of them? Well, from what I can tell, there is an increasingly large number of PMCs. Uh, Wagner wasn't, you know, Wagner was kind of an interesting case in that it was a, a, a PMC that was kind of uh, an arm of the Russian military to a certain extent. You know, they, they used Russian military helicopters to get around. They were armed by the Russian military. They did all these things with the Russian military and they, they were did friendly Russian. fire like the Russian military. That's right, that's right. <laughs> um, they were enacting 
Russian foreign policy in Africa and in the Middle East and that kind of thing. But increasingly what seems to be happening is Russian, large Russian corporations are setting up private military companies. And why they're doing that, I don't think they're doing that. So they, well, I mean, potentially they, they want to send some security guards to their oil wells wherever they are around the world or their gas, their gas fields. But some of the speculation is that they're so worried about the potential collapse of Russian society that they're just kind of like, we would rather have some guys around that work for us and aren't the FSB and aren't the Russian police. So if everything falls apart, we can just continue to be a gas company. Pump Thank gas. you very much yeah. um, for whoever it is that comes next. And we want to still be here, you know, making our billions of uh, our billions of dollars in these jobs. And I don't know that we can necessarily trust the FSB to look after us. So uh, maybe if I if I hire some some goons um, and and sort of station them around my headquarters, then that might make me a little bit safer. That seems to be what's happening because there are a number of like Gazprom, which is the the world's biggest gas producer created their PMC in January, you know. So there used to be – and PMCs are illegal in Russia, to be clear, Um, but, (laughs) I mean, whatever. Uh, But there is an increasingly large number of them uh, apparently popping up around Russia as people become more worried about the future of Russian society. I kind of hope this catches on. Like I I would love it if every – Company once they like go to start talking about their IPO or whatever, they also start talking about their PMC. It's like we've got to get on the stock mm. market, and then you've just suddenly like <laughs> McDonald's have got their army, Hungry Jacks have got their army, whatever. Like Johnson yeah. and Johnson have got their army, and then Clive Palmer has his army. Of course, yep. yeah. <laughs> Titanic Two has its own army, toiling yep, away yep. in third class, because everyone always wonders. You know, you get these like. Fairfax Channel Nine scaremongering about the you know yeah. Chinese invasion. It's like you've got to be ready for like the I don't know Samsung invasion. You got to be prepared for it. <laughs> the <laughs> Dell versus Samsung. Yeah, fights it's the like yeah. what are people like? Is it Samsung or Apple? You're like, well, let's find it out in the on the battlefield. <laughs> Put them each at one end of Afghanistan and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, go on. Yeah, the graveyard. It was really astounding to watch on Twitter on the weekend just seeing uh, that news roll through and there were a lot of people complaining online about why isn't the ABC doing rolling coverage of this? Why isn't the ABC doing this? But I checked like DW and Al Jazeera and they didn't do it either. DW was doing a uh, like an hour long show on beer. <laughs> Al Jazeera was talking about Palestine or something. And it's like I don't the news was happening as Twitter was tweeting. Like I, like it just it seemed untenable that the ABC could even do rolling coverage of something that no one had no one could verify that. Well, the re- <laughs> the reason I was called um, a, a self-appointed Russia expert is people were wondering why I wasn't there uh, doing coverage. There's <laughs> no way that I was in a position to know nearly enough about what was going on to comment about it on the television at that point. I mean, uh, it's one of those things that it was – it's not as though you can send cameramen 
I, I think the, the, the you know the the world of twenty four hour news as we know it was sort of built around. I mean, I hate to say this, but it was built around terrorist attacks. It was built around terrible siege of this place. You know, uh, the Martin Place siege or, or or something. You know, in other parts of the world, you send a camera down, and that camera just points at a building for the next twenty four hours. And uh, if anything happens, then you can keep an eye on it. But when things are happening, you know, in in places that there were no journalists. I mean, there, there weren't a bunch of journalists staked out in Rostov-on-Don waiting for a coup attempt. It's just really difficult to verify anything that's coming in off Telegram and off uh, Twitter and that and, kind of thing. And Russia's not, Russia's not particularly famed for their journalism, are they? They're not, <laughs> like, famed for having an open press, are they? <laughs> no, not. but they are famed for having cameras literally everywhere. They are the dash cam country. <laughs> right. um, oh, yeah. They are yeah. the... Uh, so the, there will be a lot of video around, but it takes a while to verify it. Uh, it takes a while to figure out you know, we saw in the early days of the Ukraine war, there was so much misinformation about what was going on. You know, videos from Microsoft Flight Simulator were being put up, put up as, uh, you know, real yeah. footage of, of planes being shot down and that kind of thing. It is such a fog of war around these things, despite the fact that there is more pictures than ever before. So it's really hard to cover. But I, you know what I want to, I do want to say is throughout this week, I have been, you know, digging really deep into this story. And you know who had it? Weeks before it happened, Indian 24-hour news media. No way. Really? I have no idea why. I don't know why. But, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I quite enjoy watching India has a number of 24-hour English language news channels that are... Imagine everything you love or hate about English language you know, Western 24-hour news channels dialed up to 11. They are more biased. They are more, you know, hyperventilating. They have bigger panels. They shout more. Everything. I love Indian 24-hour television. It's incredible. I've seen a few clips, you know. I've seen a few clips of when, you know, the China kind of crossed the border and India and China were hitting each other with batons. And uh, and the graphics on the screen, it was like watching MMA or something. Mm -hmm. It was... It was in, it was so bright and shiny and flashy. It, it, it was really attention grabbing. And, the, and they'll have a panel of sixteen people all shouting at each other, and like they'll be like, you know, someone someone will be in the bottom corner window, and it'll be like their 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 Chiron at the bottom will be China perspective, and it's just like a Chinese person, a person with Chinese heritage. <laughs> and that person is there to be screamed at by the entire rest of the panel. And, you know, it, it's incredible stuff. But the point is <laughs> quite offensive and and occasionally racist as they are, they put out a lot of content and like three or four weeks ago in, in late May, they're there going, is this Guys, Prigozhin about to lead an armed insurrection against, you know, Vladimir Putin. And they did a five, ten minute, se- several channels in India are doing five, ten minute segments on speculating about whether or not Prigozhin is about to do this. And it could just be a, you know, stop clock, write twice a day kind of thing, but they were, they mm. kind of had it weeks ahead wow. of schedule wow. and nobody else did. It was quite wild uh, and good on, and Matt- good on them. <laughs> And and you couldn't move forward your release of the next season of uh, Russia if you're listening to to make it in time for this news. That is terrible. It's terrible. Look, we were look. We did have a, the group chat was uh, popping off a little bit over the weekend about because we're we're launching. Um, this is a, this is another rational fear exclusive, but we're launching 
more episodes uh, in like three weeks' time, three or four weeks' time. Uh-huh. Uh, and we were like, can we just start now? And basically, you know, when Prigozhin uh, got let off the hook and sent into Belarus, so did we, uh, except for the <laughs> Belarus part. Um, and so we're like, you know what, we're going to just do the best possible episode about this in four weeks' time. And people were like, oh, that's right, that Prigozhin guy, what's he up to? Oh, what's the guy there? Um, so that's our plan. Well, who knows what he'll be up to by then. Thanks for keeping us up to date. I'll consider this the uh, Russia if you're listening emergency pod then. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. That is it for the show. Just a quick update um, before you go. Um, We have got a couple of live shows coming down the line, um, which is very exciting. September 9, we're going to be performing at the Women in Media Conference 2023. Uh, This is the first time we're hearing it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I know we're doing it and I, I know everyone knows it doesn't make sense. I can't figure, I, I can't wait to find out how and why this is happening. Well, we are going to be joined by some great people on the panel, including Hannah Ferguson from Cheek Media. She's been on the show before. Nayuka Gori, she's excellent, from Black Comedy. Nina Oyama, who, of course, is an Irrational Fifth friend of the show, also friend of the show. Vijarajan is back doing ads for us as well. So it's going to be a really fun show. So if you're in Sydney, that's the Women in Media Conference, September 9. And uh, potentially the weekend of the 15th, 16th or 17th, uh, we're going to be performing at Torres Strait in the Torres Strait at Thursday Island. So oh, wow. that's um that that could be good. So hang on, hang on, there'll be more information on that one as we figure out those details. So if you're F N Q and you wanna see us live, please hop a ticket to TI for that weekend. Um, that's going to be pretty fun. Um, that is it for Rational Fear. Big thanks to our guest, Matt Bevan and Lewis Hobber. You guys got anything to plug? I think I just did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> new season of If You're Listening, three or four weeks' time. <laughs> Excellent. That was a good sizzle. Lewis, have you got anything to plug yet? Next week, Dan. Next week. Bear oh, with me. next week. Oh, Please join us on the Patreon, Um, particularly if you've noticed there's a lot more ads on the show lately. That's because we've turned ads on. So if you want an ad-free version of the show, hit us up on Patreon and you get an ad-free and sponsor-free version of the show. Big thank you to Australian Ethical for sponsoring the show, all of our Patreon supporters, Jacob Round of the Teppanyaki Timeline. Until next time, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in, hold on. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical.